Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Good afternoon and good evening and welcome to this, the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. It's me, Chris Howard from Lace Partners, Marketing Director at Lace Partners, and uh, we're talking employee experience, but specifically we're talking a white paper that our friends at Applaud have recently produced. Um, before I introduce our lovely guest from Applaud, though, I've got a new partner in crime, a new Lace Partner in crime for the first time. It's Mr. Luca Winterborn. Luca, how are you doing? You all right? I'm very well. Thank you, Chris. Pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. Pleasure to have you. I'm going to let the uh, listeners into a little bit of a uh, background behind the curtain here. Um, mm. If you hear a rumbling noise, it's because Luca might be hungry because uh, he's been working very hard, hasn't had his breakfast this morning. And at the time of recording, we're in mid-morning. So he promises he's going to keep everything under wraps, don't you, Luca? I will do my best. I've, I've uh, skipped skip the meal of champions this morning, Chris. But, yes, uh, yeah. yes. Error. Absolute <laughs> error. We're not going to spend all morning talking about uh, the food that we've had, though. What we are going to talk about is the future of HR white paper, which is written by Applaud, the lovely uh, friends of ours at Applauds. It's called, the full title of it is The Future of HR Employee Experience Fueled by Consumer Grade Technology. And to have us talking about the podcast today, we have Jordan Robinson, who, Robinson, sorry, who is the VP Global Partnerships at Applaud. Jordan, how are you doing, sir? Good morning, Chris and Luca. I'm very well. Thanks for having me here. It's uh, it's great to have you on. So we're going to quiz you. Between Luca and I, we're going to quiz on this, this white paper because there were some I've read the white paper over the last couple of weeks, and Luca's obviously read it as well. We will put a note in the show notes for people to download the white paper from the website as well. Interesting insight into uh, the employee experience space, and then some of the uh, some of the challenges, uh, some of the sections which I found quite fascinating. So that you guys have broken it down, but we're gonna we're gonna go into that in a second. Before we we talk about the specifics though of the white paper, can you just give us a bit of a then a 60 second kind of helicopter view about what it's what it's about and what the motivations were for for creating it as well but actually sorry i've i've asked you that question but before we go into that just tell the audience a little about who you are and what you do and then we'll start at start about what the motivations for the white paper were thanks chris so it's so great to be here my name is jordan robinson as you can hear by the interesting accent uh, i come from the colonies i'm from australia but i've lived in the UK for a number of years now, and I've dedicated my life, as sad or exciting as that may be, depending on the uh, angle you come from, to HR and work technology. So I've spent about a decade implementing, advising, uh, and running implementations for large technology programs to do with HR, be it Workday, ServiceNow, SuccessFactors, all the different technologies that are out there. And I've since recently turned my attention to startups and scale-ups. So I'm now at Applaud and looking at this thing called employee experience, which I'm really excited to deep dive into with you both today. Cool. So, so let's talk about the white paper then, specifics about the white paper. Can you just give us a, a 60 second or you can go longer than 60 seconds, I won't time you, overview as to the, the reasons why you, you put the white paper together? Yeah, sure, Chris. So I think we can all agree that 2020 was an interesting year. The HR tech landscape really changed as did the world of work. And what we noticed is there was a lot of rhetoric and interesting commentary, but not a huge amount of evidence-based research in the conversations that we were seeing. So we went out and worked with Forrest Consulting 
and spoke to 175 HR leaders. That was across digital HR, HRIS teams, employee experience, people operations. And we asked them, what do they think is happening in this world of employee experience? And what was great about this particular report that we ran was about 30% of those companies were over 5 billion in revenue, about 40% were 1 to 5 billion in revenue, and the rest was sort of a good mix of under a billion revenue down to 100 million revenue. Uh, the company sizes range, you know, from small organizations of 4,000 employees to over 100,000. And what I think, you know, we'll unpack today is that this is a really interesting industry agnostic topic. You know, we've got 18 industries from retail to financial services to pharma to logistics, but it's every company, everybody, everywhere looking at employee experience. And I guess then, Jordan, you know, one of the things that struck me in the report itself was that the highest priority for HR leaders was to undertake a digital transformation. And you, and you call out the number, you know, 52% saying it's the highest priority. When pulling this this paper together, did that did that figure surprise you? Did you think it'd be higher or lower than that? You know, what are your what are your kind of thoughts? Because um, you know, look, well, I'll give you my perspective afterwards. But yeah, what what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's an interesting statistic. Fifty two percent saying it's the highest priority. I mean, what you did in two thousand and nineteen wasn't going to work in two thousand and twenty one. We know that mm -hmm. the landscape, the technology, the employee experience that you're going to deliver is no longer fit for purpose in this new world of work. Mm -hmm. What's interesting though about that fifty two percent is the other part of the percentage, the remainder of the respondents, the other two top respondents were employee experience, experience strategy and design and workplace technology. Yep. I think if you take those three topics together, it tells a really interesting story about where HR leaders are spending their money and where the priorities lie. What, what do you think, Luca? I, I, well, I read, I read the report and I completely agree with the number. It was, it was, a, it was, a, it was certainly not that much of a surprise for me that HR leaders are looking at digital, digital transformation, but I was surprised in the direction that they're focusing their efforts on. I think it's an interesting report. Um, I find it fascinating. Um, it, the report itself is broken down into obviously three sections. So you've got situation, mm. you've got the challenges, and then you've got the opportunities. Jordan, can you just, let's, let's focus in on the situation section. We'll move on to the challenges and the opportunities um, in, in a minute. But in terms of the situation section, you talk about the technology um, potentially being a source of frustration for employees if EX is absent from the workplace. Can you just sort of give us a little bit more colour around that and, and the applaud thoughts from there and just, uh, yeah, a little bit more detail from the from the white paper itself? Yeah, it's interesting. We find ourselves uh, with sort of two speeds at the moment. If you think about yourself as a consumer in your everyday life, so Chris or Luca sort of at home chilling out, listening to Spotify on your phone in two clicks, you've got your favorite playlist or maybe Netflix, you're binge watching the next series. That's a consumer grade experience. That's something that you expect in your everyday life. You don't need an instruction manual. You don't necessarily need to think twice about how to do something with the technology at your fingertips. Without uh, offending anybody too much, I think it's probably safe to say that that particular consumer grade experience maybe hasn't reached the world of work. Even in the last decade, we've seen massive investments into some great best of breed tools. But employees, especially the millennium employees that we're seeing at the moment are looking for something a little bit more. They're looking for something intuitive. They're looking for something easy to use. And they don't want to do HR tasks. They want to do the job they were hired for. So I think it's no surprise that the frustration from technology is coming more and more apparent as, you know, if you think about it, if you started a job in 2020 or 2021, the only experience that you know 
is your digital employee, employee experience. You may not have even had a physical employee experience. So I think while technology is maybe only 10%, 20% of, of the recipe here, it's a really important enabling factor that if you get it wrong, it can undo everything else. So I think that frustration is, is no surprise to me. Mm-hmm. Again, I would agree with that, Jordan. I think what we've seen in the marketplace is a bit of a 180 around digital platforms or HR platforms pertaining to offer the best employee experience in the market. Was actual fact, as we know, a, digi- a HR platform is there to, to combine and then process your HR activity and isn't always an employee experience solution. And what we've got now is a, is a landscape whereby you might have an organisation with many, many different platforms which an employee will have to interact with to get what they need to get done. So you'll have your HRIS platform, you'll have some, you know, your well-being may be somewhere else, your pensions may be somewhere else, your share save scheme may be somewhere else. And in on top of all that, nine times out of 10, you've got an intranet platform, which in some cases duplicates or replicates a lot of the information that's already out there on the different platforms. So as an employee, where do you go? And all of this builds up to frustration because it's taking a lot of time and effort for colleagues to navigate this quite complex landscape. And that's certainly some of the some of the insights that we've been seeing from our clients. And I'm picking it up on the network as well. Yeah. I mean, do you know what? It's really interesting that you say that. And when you're talking about that, Luca, you start to think about your own experiences. And, you know, at Lace, we have a holiday booking system. You know, we have CRM platforms. We have uh, multiple bits of tech that are there to try and make our lives uh, a little bit easier, but sometimes the challenges that you have when you have all of these different bits of tech in different places, it can become a bit of a a pain, really. If you think mm-hmm. about if you think about that from a from a user perspective, oh, I've got to log in to find out this about my pension. I've now got to go over here to find out about my holiday. You know, if I'm doing performance management over here, it's a bit of a challenge. And one of the things I thought was interesting from the actual white paper, and Jordan, I'll, I'll bring you in on this one as well, is it's one of the stats is 84% of organizations have, be, have between six and 15 HR systems in place. And we've just been talking about how, you know, technology can it, it's that enabler but it can also be a real challenge for employees when they're having to navigate through so many different types of of system um, and in the in the report so it's 84 percent of organizations are between six and 15 hr systems in place with 75 percent expecting to continue to expand and upgrade but jordan does that surprise you because just from my perspective given that we've just what we've just been talking about and how the fact like i'm a simple human being i feel like my brain can only handle so many different pieces of tech in different places and i want i want things consolidated and almost harmonized to make my life a bit easier so does it surprise you from that report that you've got so many businesses that are saying actually we're going to overlay more tech into our our hr processes yeah i don't think it's a surprise i think it's really symptomatic of the decade of investment we've had into people buying great tools for you know great point solutions um, i think about my my younger cousin he, uh, he works in retail. He works at uh, one of the big retailers and he has nine applications on his phone to get what he needs done. Rostering, shifts, pay slips, uh, checking in on, on well-being, all sorts of different applications. So six to 15 HR systems in place is no surprise. And if you think about this on the employee lifecycle perspective, it's actually going to be a lot more than six to 15 in a lot of cases. If you start to look outside the purview of HR, Maybe I need to submit an expense. Maybe I need to look at, you know, raising a procurement request. All of a sudden, that number 
skyrockets. We've got some customers with over a hundred different systems across their work tech landscape. They all have different user interfaces. They all have different applications. They all have different fields and screens that you need to fill in. And really they're not intuitive and they're not easy to, you know, take up and, and use like a Spotify or Netflix. I guess, Jordan, this is, this is the whole purpose for looking at, you know, HR from a, a, a a world-class consumer lens isn't it because if you were to think about your employees as i always do when i speak to clients as customers of the business rather than employees would you expect a customer of your organization to have to navigate through so much complexity to buy your product and you just wouldn't would you you know and i think there's a bigger question here around the future of work the future of hr which pertains are hr leaders asking the right questions you know, are, are they are they are they asking the right questions to to give the best employee experience possible to their people? So rather investing or continue to invest in a, in a complicated landscape, it should be really around the simplification of existing products and services and platforms that they have in house. So the solution may not be to invest or purchase a new HRIS. It would be how do I consolidate what I've got to provide that seamless service? Yeah, spot on, Luca. And we're seeing a lot of clients at the moment bring in CEOs, CFOs, COOs, heads of digital transformation, who are all looking at employee experience and looking at this simplification agenda. But they're scratching their heads a little bit. They're saying it sort of sounds like a bit of a buzzword bingo at the moment, consumer grade, employee experience. But for me, for my bottom line, for my business, my shareholders, for my employees, what really does employee experience mean? Is it an intangible benefit? Is it qualitative? Is it quantitative? How do I actually wrap my arms around this thing? How do I understand the reason employee experience is important and the benefits of that, both qualitative and quantitative? I'd be interested to hear your th thoughts on, on that, Luca, too. So I think it's a really great question. And I've been working in employee experience about five years since it, since it was a buzzword. And, and this whole question around you know, how do you tangibly measure the impacts of of, of, of good EX, really? Uh, and what are they? Has been kicking around for the whole five years that I've been working on EX. And, it, and it's a great question. I think the current landscape that we are in as a, as a society and as a culture, it's taken a global pandemic to really bring to the forefront what a good employee experience looks like and what a not so great one looks like. And I think also the marketplace is now full of evidence, you know, really good evidence and paperwork that that shows the significance of investing in a good in a good EX, whether we whether we be talking about talent retention or acquisition, or whether we be talking about your cultural evolution, you know, the time it takes to get the job done. And I, and I mentioned well-being for a reason. I think, you know, the COVID pandemic has brought to life a significant focus for HR leadership on 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 well-being. So I think it's it's here, it's not going away. The evidence is here. And for lots of HR leaders who choose to ignore the significance of, of employee experience and the tangible benefits, be it at their own peril. It's interesting. We get the privilege of seeing a lot of different organisations across the globe, across multiple industries. And not that many companies are getting this right yet, but the good news is it's a, it's a world of opportunity. And companies that are leveraging the right employee experience strategies are really seeing three types of outcomes, business outcomes, people outcomes, and innovation outcomes. And what I find so fascinating about those three categories is people and innovation are really at the heart of that and business is an outcome of that. So let, let me unpack that for you a little bit. This is by some other research from 
uh, another one of our partners, Josh Burson, who will have a webinar with uh, next month, actually, which is really exciting. And he, he looks at business outcomes and employee experience, and they sort of ran their own survey on this. And from a business outcome perspective, you're 2.2 times more likely to exceed financial targets if you deliver a consumer-grade employee experience. You're 2.4 times more likely to delight customers. You're 5.1 times more likely to create a sense of belonging, a great place to work, engage and retain employees. I mean, these, these figures are really, really fascinating. Innovation outcomes, 3.7 times more likely to adapt well to change. That's something we've all been having to do day in, day out in the pandemic, and 4.3 times more likely to innovate effectively. I think that word innovate is sort of an overused word, and what does it really mean? But for a HR leader to be able to innovate, often technology has been a barrier to innovation, I think, in HR, not an enabler. Typically, you know, as a HR professional myself, not necessarily as well-versed in technology or data or analytics, often a place that we as HR professionals try to upskill ourselves. But innovating effectively, 4.3 times more likely to innovate effectively if you have the right EX strategy. A great way to do that is through a platform that doesn't require technical prowess. It's a no-code platform, something that allows you to really just talk in plain English and talk about business problems and business solutions rather than getting you know, heavily involved in IT and developers. So I think the Burson research is really interesting. And I like that, that trifecta of business outcomes people outcomes and innovation outcomes and putting some dollar signs to the EX strategy impacts when you do it right is obviously something that's really, really important. Yeah. Do you know what it's, it comes back to me. Uh, we've, we've been doing quite a lot of thought pieces on data and analytics and HR teams using those effectively and the importance of that and being able to quantify those tangible benefits through EX. As you said, it's it, there were some interesting stats that you, you've given there. And I find that an area which is certainly worthwhile us, us exploring a little bit more is starting to be able to put real numbers and metrics behind what's the value that a good you know EX program can actually deliver. One of the things that I just wanted to mention, which is actually the, the final part of the situations part of the uh, white paper, which uh, is, is, is mentioned, is this, uh, this stat around how 90% of employees are losing between two to four hours a week on uh, to HR tasks. A question I, I find that interesting because obviously to be able to quantify that and to be able to have the data that sits, that underpins that, if you can see within your business, look, we are losing all of this time spent on HR tasks. That's massively value when you're starting to ask your own business the, the question over productivity amongst your workers. So, I mean, did that stat itself surprise you, Jordan? Did you think it'd be higher or lower? And in, in it, you guys kind of touch on how you would, how would you, how you could tackle this. So, just some, if you can just pick apart some thoughts there on on that stat. And again, just to just to reiterate it for our our listeners, it's ninety percent of employees losing between two and four hours a week to HR tasks. Yeah, it's an interesting statistic. I think it could be higher, it could be lower, depending who you talk to. It is an average, but I think the key takeaway there for me is that this current landscape was not designed employees and managers it was designed for hr so if i'm a store worker or a frontline staff and i'm serving customers i really don't want to be going away and looking for you know maybe it's an exciting time in my life it's a moment that matters i'm getting married or i'm having a child something really really special and wonderful 
well, I've got a personal experience of going away and trying to find a policy, trying to find the right person to talk to, trying to find the right document, the right leave form. Really, this two to four hours is something that is often more, if you look at some of the benchmarks, and often less depending on some industries. But really, the key takeaway is giving people what they need in the right place at the right time in the flow of their work. So you shouldn't be having to have a jarring experience where you jump out and have to, you know, call a HR employee or raise a ticket or go somewhere else. You should simply be able to do what you need when you need it and go back to the task at hand and doing what you love, which is hopefully your job and serving customers. Luca, what do you think about that two to four hours? I know you would have done some yeah. pretty uh, extensive benchmarking in your time. Yeah, it's not a statistic that surprises me. I think in HR's own ambition, so I certainly agree that there's a HR ambition to simplify the journey and make it a better one for, for its internal customers. But I think in doing that, without the correct strategic guidance or the listening from the listening exercises in place to get employee data and analytics in the right shape, it's actually ended up overcomplicating its own colleague journeys. So rather than simplifying, you know, they, they've bolted on a new platform here, a new platform there, point, you know, go, go over here to get this done or, or stick with us here to get that done. And all of this is, is obviously taking out a lot of time from somebody's day. And we've covered it over, earlier on in the discussion. It leads to colleague frustration. So I think, you know, there are, so, there are now so many different, well, I'll call them solutions in the marketplace that pertain to being the employee experience nirvana, which is going to solve everyone's problems. But they actually highlighting the confused landscape rather than simplifying and bringing everything together in one place, which ideally is what colleagues nowadays do want if we take a conversation again back to the consumer grade experience that we're trying to achieve. Yeah, well said, Luca. And we have a few uh, team members at Applaud who used to work uh, deep in the basements of HR operations and, and HRIS. Mm. Uh, and they really mentioned to us that a lot of the time they had, you know, a thousand emails a month from employees trying to find their payslip or yeah. trying to raise a request. And they then went, went off and implemented a service desk ticketing system and were sort of baffled because they just got a thousand tickets a month, not a thousand, a thousand emails. And really that's around that service desk time and that tier zero HR service delivery conundrum that so many organizations are looking into. And interestingly in the report, there was, about 58%, so over half of HR leaders felt that their service desk, whatever their operating model, whether it was decentralized or centralized or any sort of flavor, they felt that their service desk time could be repurposed. So over half of HR leaders thought their service desk probably wasn't getting the value that they thought it should. Yeah, this stat I found particularly interesting, actually, that's that around 58%, because and what I started to think about, um, and apologies to the listeners if I go into full-on kind of uh, trying to tell you about our white papers once again, but hey, this is the HR on the Offensive podcast, and, uh, and we get to talk about the uh, interesting stuff that we've written before. But what I found interesting about that is I started to think about the white paper that we've produced and how in our HR, the future of HR shared services white paper, and I appreciate that this that's, that looks specifically at like HR shared services rather than whole HR uh, HR as a whole, but we start to talk about the role of the role of the almost the consultant and the the idea of a HR business advisor. So, in other words, taking away from and we touch on this in HR on the offensive as well, taking away this idea as 
you know, the HR professional as this more tactical operational person having to deal with all of these types of queries. And if you can, maybe if you can automate some of these tasks or certainly take away some of those tasks where you're not getting thousands of emails um, about finding pay slips and things like that, it can remove from the service desk side of it, it can remove that time, those hours spent on those, those operational tasks and it focuses more on, okay, well then, what else is our role as a business? How can we make the most? How can we be more consultative? How can we be a bit more of a business advisor? You know, that idea of in, in the Shed Services white paper we talk about, we talk about uh, mentoring. Uh, we talk about the role of being like a people consultant and actually consulting on the strategic uh, requirements of the people strategy of the business. And I think I can see why you've got so many HR leaders, and as, we've, as you said, Jordan, 58% over half, feeling that, that that time can be repurposed. And perhaps that's where uh, that frame of mind is going as well. I don't know if you, Luca, if you just uh, have got any general thoughts on that one. Yeah, I think you've said something quite pertinent there, Chris, around um, the repurposing of activity, uh, especially based on sort of the, the, the value of the activity. So rather than thousands of queries and tickets on activity that could very, very easily be self-served in the right way with the, using the right consumer grade tech, what you'll find now is that service centres and shared services are spending their time answering, like you've said, payroll queries, very, very simple, basic stuff. And that's taking significant time and effort away from the key work on moments that matter that require more time and attention. And I think of things like, you know, again, given COVID, unfortunately, situations that could be really, really serious, you know, well-being, death in service or, you know, paternity, maternity situations, these, these key moments that matter require human interaction which many shared services are really struggling to to attend to because of all the self-serve stuff they're dealing with at the moment jordan what are your thoughts on that yeah well said luca i think uh lace uses a term that i really love around the brilliant basics so getting the basics right and not boiling the ocean to try to make everything fancy and shiny and perfectly personalized and we use a, a similar kind of theory at applaud it's an acronym, of course, uh, as an ex-consultant, couldn't help myself, but the acronym that we like to use is KCAT. And it's uh, it's not a brief exotic, exotic pet, but it stands for knowledge, collaboration, analytics, and tasks. And what these systems are great at is the task. Put the reason code in, put the absence type in, put your, your holiday request in and hit submit. But what do I as an individual need to know? And what as an employee and as a manager brings me value? It's not actually completing the task. It's understanding the knowledge, collaboration, and analytics around that task. So let me give you an, a really simple example. Maybe it is one of those moments that matters. It's an exciting time in my life, and uh, I'm taking a sabbatical to travel the world. Lucky me. Uh, and I actually did have this experience at, at a last organization, and I could not find the policy. So I couldn't find the knowledge. I could not find any frequently asked questions. So I didn't know you know, if there was a job for me when I came back or if there was a time limit on it. So that collaboration piece was not there. There was no analytics, so I, I couldn't see who else had done it or, you know, if it was a, a good thing to do or if people who had done it had a, a better career trajectory when they came back. So all I, all I had to do was spend probably half an hour finding the task. But imagine if I just had a one-stop shop, a page that I went into and it said, oh, you want to take a career sabbatical? Here's some of the information that you might need to know. And by the way, the task is also here and you can go off and, and do what you need to do, but really find those important pieces of information in the moment, in the flow 
and really delight your employees at those moments that exciting times in their life and perhaps they don't want to spend half an hour looking for the policy and then talk to three different people so it's a bit of a, a cute example but one that I think really does speak to this uh, service death time repurposing point as well. Yeah that's that's a really interesting point there Jordan and in my head as you were saying that I was thinking what you've just described as the utopia is like a 30 second or one minute activity and then all of a sudden you've got 29 minutes back of your day that you're then doing somewhere else so um, a really really pertinent and perfect a perfect example there on that one uh, I'm just going to kick us on to the next um, sort of section and, and another stat which I found interesting which was within again within the challenges section and it's the part of the report which mentions that 89 percent of organizations are reporting inconsistencies between remote worker employee experience and the in-office workers and I think this one is one that stood out for me because well I'm in the office at the moment right now uh, Luca is uh, at home because we work flexibly at LACE and one of the things that we at LACE have talked about for ourselves but as well for our, our clients and people that we work with is how do you actually deliver that consistent employee experience when you've got people that are going to be in the office and out of the office? And another really, really good example. So I had my marketing team yesterday. We were chatting about doing some uh, just general sort of team building activities for people within the business. But we started to talk about well, what interesting things can we do in the office? And Eve in my team who works on the engagement within the team said, what we've got to also do is we've got to marry up that interesting activities that we might do in the office, in our small office, with those people that are in Scotland. So we've got people in Scotland or we've got people in Coventry at the moment, and you know they're not perhaps going to be able to, to get down as often. So oh, it's a big question to, uh, to, to try and unpick, and I'll let Jordan and uh, Luca have a go at this one. But I guess my, my overall question is how do you actually align Given that hybrid working is now here, we're all doing it. Any advice or any thoughts that you can pick out, Jordan or Luca? I'll start with uh, with Jordan as our guest, Luca. I hope you don't mind. Of course not. <laughs> it's a great one. I'm happy to jump in first. What we see as a really consistent theme is the main workforce segments often have a better employee experience than those workforce segments that are often forgotten but critical to the business function, right? So gig workers, contractors, consultants, people on perhaps an oil rig or a mine site or in a store. And the traditional platforms often do not have an elegant solution here. They're really designed for uh, the many and not for the few. And something as simple as a great mobile experience is actually quite difficult to find. Multiple applications, multiple interfaces, multiple different logins, it really can become quite a, quite a confusing uh, situation. Luke, I don't know, what do you think about the remote worker versus in-office worker? Yeah, I agree with you there, Jordan. I think, you know, a solution for the masses has definitely been the way that HR has traditionally thought. And I, and I speak with specific experience around the engineering community who simply don't have the time to be logging on to a, a HR system periodically throughout the day, nor do their team managers, because that therefore impacts customer customer outputs and, you know, tar targets are quite, quite rigorously driven. So that solution, in my mind, doesn't yet exist that pulls together everything in a seamless way where an employee, regardless of where you are, can access or get your job done, job done very, very quickly. I think there's another there's another facet to look into here as well, which is so we, we've talked about remote workers who don't necessarily have access or time to the right solutions. But there's also another thing around. Well, in the hybrid working model moving forward, 
even in a meeting as we're in now, we've got Chris in the office, I'm at home. How do we bring each other all together culturally so that we're not feeling that, you know, mm. our, we're, we're at detriment to one another because I'm not in the office and Chris is, or, you know, Jordan's on a different location. It, it's just another facet to consider regarding the employee experience and the platform that could bring all of that activity together in a seamless way, I think, is, is certainly the way forward. Yeah, it's a, it's, the culture question is a really big challenge, mm. right? And for mm. me, I've often thought about it. I think about it from a lace perspective and perhaps we're slightly fortunate because we're a smaller business, but maintaining Mm. that culture when you've got literally tens of thousands of employees and their lives have all been completely changed to this hybrid model. It's a massive challenge, isn't it? And I was just listening to you giving that example of engineers and using um, their mobiles to be able to access that information. And I want to move us on to just the the next stat that we've got, because I think this is actually quite relevant because in the report, it talks about low utilization. So nine out of 10 of the uh, respondents to the report said they had low utilization for HR platforms. Now, you've just given us example there, Luca, of, you know, in an office where you've got you know, it's all white collar workers and you've got, you're all on one big side or whatever it is, you're going to get higher utilization perhaps with, with the HR platforms. It's just naturally. But when you've got engineers out in the field or people working in hospitality or people where um, it isn't natural to be able to uh, access instantly and all of the time, all of those different types of tech systems, I think that's a really, really big challenge. I'm going to bring Jordan in just, just to have a chat on that particular stat, Jordan. So nine out of 10 respondents saying they had low utilization. Uh, one, one of the questions I wrote down for myself was, does that surprise you? But I think for me, the volume surprises me, nine out of 10. It does surprise me because I would have assumed that for businesses, as Lucas just mentioned, where you've got you know, lots of people out in the field, for want of a better word, then perhaps, yes, that utilisation would be lower. But I would have thought that certainly for more of the services-based and white-collar businesses, you'd expect utilisation to be higher. But just give us some general thoughts on that. It's interesting, right? We've seen uh, a lot of focus on adoption, change management, training, always real keys to making these things stick and encouraging people to log in and do what they need to do. I think you can have the best systems and the best intentions and amazing change management, adoption and training. But the great thing about uh, working at Applaud is we get a purview over an organization's entire landscape. And we can actually see from an analytics perspective who's using what, who likes what, and what's some real-time pulse feedback. And we see some, uh, I would say, embarrassing statistics for the ROI of of some of these great, great people are not logging in. And the reason they're not logging in is because it's not consumer grade and there's not a lot of value to them. So we use a thing called nudge theory, which is basically where you provide nudges throughout the day, kind of like an application notification on your phone, or maybe it's your your internet banking say, hey, you should save some of your paycheck for that next holiday that's coming up. If you think about that concept applied to the employee life cycle, What's valuable to the employee and to the manager? It's not sending them a notification to say, Jordan, you forgot to uh, submit your expenses or Jordan, you've got an approval coming up. It's actually, hey, Jordan, did you know that you've got a new team member starting in a week and they're really into football or perhaps you need to reach out to them and introduce them to their buddy? Something that actually is human and provides value to the employee and the manager is really, really important. The other interesting part of this is 
just some of the hygiene things around utilization for these HR platforms. We had a particular client in uh, the US, over 90,000 employees in the retail uh, sector, and they were really struggling with some of the basics, compliance, safety, just trying to get the training done they needed as part of an onboarding process. So not, not only were they trying to embed a culture of learning, they weren't even getting the basics right. And by having something that actually provides nudges and encourages you to log into something that's quite easy, they saw an uplift in the utilization of their learning system, which they were quite disappointed in, by introducing an experience layer over the top. So I think the 9 out of 10 respondents saying they had low utilization for HR platforms is really a, a bit of a, a plague on, on the industry at the moment around Let's buy all these shiny tools and then nobody will use them and they, they sit sort of on the shelf uh, gathering dust. Luca, is that your experience as well from your, from, from your background? Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm not surprised to see that number, but I'm always shocked when I see it on paper because it's just such a smack in the face, isn't it, of how, yeah. of how the solutions that, that are sold to HR and to, and to organisations in the marketplace that are pertaining to solve all their problems around employee experience and uh, the HR process just don't work for whatever number of reasons that we've talked about on on our discussion today and what i've seen happen in the past uh, which i think is quite a frequent frequent trend is that when you don't get the basics right in your hr platform what tends to happen is colleagues will disengage from it and they'll try and find other ways to get the job done so they'll you know they'll call bob in in edinburgh or they'll speak to whoever else who they know in the network has maybe done hr before or or has has done something similar they, they they might have a clue as to how to help them out so what, what happening what's happening there is you know your employees are disengaging from the platform that you've spent an awful lot of money implementing you, you know it's, it's costing you time and effort and budget requirements to get this done but for all the reasons that we've spoken about the employee experience just isn't there so your employees are disengaging from from that process altogether and finding other ways to get the job done which is not a place where any hr leader wants their their teams and their and their and their workforce to be yeah do you know what i'm going to move us on to the opportunity section of the report actually now because i think this links because in the report it talks about 79 percent of leaders planning on investing on their existing technology so that's almost heartening if you think about it luca that there is a recognition from so many hr leaders that actually we need to lean into our existing tech and not just say this is broken let's bin it and start again because that's just going to be costly for all types of reasons for, for businesses. So, um, and what's interesting actually is in our recent webinar that uh, Aaron hosted, where we had uh, the CPO of Scott Dunn, uh, a travel company, Shelley Lakes, uh, she actually was talking about um, Ceridian and how Ceridian, when she uh, first arrived, um, the view of it was that it wasn't really a system that was working for them, but because of what happened during lockdown and their emphasis and need to start looking looking at their people data and using it to actually demonstrate, okay, where can we make efficiencies and productivity gains? They decided to lean into it a bit more. Um, and as a result, um, they actually got more out of the system. So I, I took that as quite heartening that you've got in this report, you've got so many HR leaders saying, actually, do you know what? Let's lean into our existing tech. Let's just make the most of it and let's get better at those adoption levels. And let's get let's get more people trying to use it by giving them the right training. And as as Jordan, as you said, it's not about buying all the shining tools and having those those nudges, as you mentioned, and increasing that utilization is a is an important thing too. But so just to uh 
just to just to kind of round off that that particular point, Jordan, I guess as a general question from me is any advice that you've got just to give to HRDs listening into this that are thinking about their existing platform? Okay, how can I make the most of this? How can I improve the utilization? How can I get better of it? Is there anything anything else that you would you would add on top of some of the bits? Obviously, we've we've already talked about and you mentioned the nudges as, a, as an example. It's interesting, Chris. I was talking to uh, a panel of, of HRDs and, and CPOs just last month, and 80% of that panel had on-premise systems. They had a system that was 10 to 15 years old. It was still in support. Uh, it sort of did what they needed. They had a pretty good analytics engine that, that sucked out the data that they needed, and they were getting a lot of advice. Move to cloud. Go, go big. Spend $10 million. You know, this is the only way forward. And What's interesting about that is Gartner, who's, who's another thought leader in this space, released a white paper that caused a bit of a stir in the industry. And sort of the, the paraphrased title of it was, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think that's a really interesting comment because there's actually an option B here. You don't always have to go through a tumultuous, difficult transformation program that lasts five years. And at the end of the day, you have a shiny new system. You actually do have the opportunity to take a step back and look at this more holistically. So what's the operating model? What's the people, process, and technology that you're trying to achieve? Because perhaps there is an option B, and that is using what you already have and augmenting what you already have with something like an experience layer. So layer over the top, make sure that that consumer-grade experience is front and center. And why should, as an employee, I care or know about the system that I'm accessing? If you think about Perhaps something like Amazon. I'm, a, I'm an Amazon Prime junkie. Uh, say what you will about Amazon and and uh, and Jeff Bezos and the and the space adventures. But interestingly, Amazon has had one-click checkout since 1999. Imagine if you went to Amazon and you had to interface with their, I don't know, logistics system, finance system, review system. You just never go back. You'd close Amazon and you'd go off to a different website. So I think. Using what you've got now and getting value out of that is an option. And you can use that money for important things, right? Employee well-being programs and EAP, something that's actually human rather than just buying another technology for HR. So it is a really interesting shift to the fact that I think best of breed is here to stay. No longer will one solution do everything for you. And that's okay. There is now other options for practitioners in this space, which I think is a really, a really positive thing. Luca, what, what's your experience on that? I mean, so, so I, I would urge all HR professionals to think of employees as customers, if I'm honest. Uh, and I would also urge the HR community to listen more to employee voice. So rather than, as, as you were just explaining there, Jordan, rather than chucking all of your eggs in one basket and, um, and jumping head over heels into a new, a new HR platform as a solution to perceived problems at board level, listen to what your colleagues are actually saying, work with them to identify what the pain and gain points and the opportunities are. And I think uh, given, given where the market's heading and given you know the conversations that I'm having with some of our, our lace clients at the moment, what you'll find is that it's it's not always necessary to, to go big bang with, with a new HR platform. It is about making the workplace and the interactions between employees and the organization a simpler transaction so yeah, I, I, I completely agree with what you've just said there, Jordan. Yeah, Luke, you mentioned the word feedback 
Uh, and I think that's a really important, important point here, just to wrap up for today. I think HR professionals often have a lack of visibility into workforce data and truly engaging and successful employee experience should really use those employee insights to direct effort and then understand pain points. So really taking a leaf out of the marketeer's book and gathering pulse feedback in real time. So think about this. I'm in Teams or I'm in Slack and I think, oh, I'm a bit stressed out. I really need a holiday. Why shouldn't I be able to, in the flow of work, go into a holiday request from Teams or from Slack and then go through that experience? And at the end of that, a little pop-up comes up and says, hey, Jordan, how was that experience in booking your leave? Is there anything you do differently? And perhaps, I don't know, I'm based in the UAE and I wasn't able to view the policy in Arabic. What a great opportunity for me to have a chance to say, it was good, but actually the policy wasn't in Arabic. And, you know, that's my native language. And I would have rather read it in something that, that makes more sense to me. Sense to me. So that pulse feedback in real time is something that we do have at our fingertips. And it's something that hasn't really translated that well into HR. And I think our friends in marketing would be sort of sagely nodding and saying, you know, welcome, welcome to the party of, of sentiment analysis and who's using what and all, all the sexy stuff with AI and machine learning. But we don't actually need to go there yet. We just need to get simple pulse feedback along the course of employees' working days. And that can be in the form of anything. It could be, how many stars would you give this? Is there anything we could improve? Happy, happy face, sad face, you know, like those airport uh, checkout sort of buttons that you get when you go through security. I think those really basic concepts go a really long way to delighting employees and, and helping us always continuously improve a good HR or people practitioner's job is never done. You know, we're always learning. We're always trying to understand how can we look at our employees as customers, as you said, Luca. Yeah, listening to that sort of customer voice, as you said, Luca, but then also acting on it as well. So, uh, make, you know, in that example of being in the UAE, if, if somebody then messages me, I don't know, it could be however much time, but if I believe that, that I'm someone's actually going to read this bit of feedback that I'm giving and then they'll act on it, or at least they'll give it consideration, at least I feel like I'm being listened to. You've actually listened to my voice. So that's that's a really, really important part as well. But we're just towards the end of today's podcast and it's been an absolute delight. I'll be honest with you. It's been a slightly longer podcast than normal, but that's because there's so much to get through, so much really interesting info in the report itself. It's really, really great to have have Jordan on. Jordan, thank you very much for being uh, part of our podcast today. Thank you for having me. It's been fantastic. It's been great to have you on. And Luca, uh, you and I will be double teaming again on a podcast shortly, no doubt. I look forward to it. Look Top stuff. To it. Thanks, uh, it's been great to, to have you on to chat about this, uh, guys. Um, we will see you next time on the HR on the Offensive podcast. Bye-bye.